0: And now a word from the editors
1: loyal listener. We had a technical problem in the studio when we recorded this episode that resulted in some annoying background noise. We've eliminated as much as possible, but some still remains. Normally we wouldn't release a product with a problem like this, but this interview went so well, and major general Smith is such an engaging individual that we thought this one time we'd beg your forgiveness and publish. We hope you can overlook our failings and we promise to do better next time. And now back to our regularly scheduled programming.
0: Hello, and welcome to A Better Peace, the War Room podcast. Thanks for joining us today for another episode. I'm Jacqueline Witt. I'm a professor of strategy here at the U.S. Army War College and the editor-in-chief for War Room. My guest today is Major General Tammy Smith, and she has agreed to join us for another installment of our ongoing series on perspectives in senior leadership. Major General Smith is a U.S. Army officer who is currently assigned as the military assistant to the assistant secretary of the Army, For manpower and reserve affairs she's a native of oregon and commissioned via rotc at the university of oregon in 1986 into the quartermaster corps she's commanded and served on staffs at every level has deployed to afghanistan and before her current assignment served as the deputy commanding general for sustainment for the u.s eighth army in korea she's a 2009 graduate of the distance education program at the u.s army war college and holds several other graduate degrees as well you can find her on twitter and she's been a leading voice for LGBTQ service members and their families. So it's a real pleasure to have her join us today. Thank you, Major General Smith, for joining us at A Better Peace.
1: Glad to be here, thanks.
0: All right, so we'll start with a biographical or background question. Um, can you tell us a little bit about your, your background and sort of how you got to be where you are? What path did you follow?
1: If you try and make sense out of my bio, it it makes no sense. There's nothing traditional about how I got to where I am. And I'm absolutely okay with that. So we have this vision of how our army officers are developed. And for me, I came into active duty, did that for a few years, and then ended up in a reserve component. And some of the things that the reserve does that the active army doesn't in terms of career pathing, I think Creates opportunity for people to zig and zag, as opposed to going through this straight line
0: through a very like rigid set yeah, of gates or check marks.
1: Exactly. So I hit all the education check marks, but in terms of like what my assignments were supposed to be, I, I looked nothing like mm-hmm. any other person wearing a quartermaster branch serving in personnel jobs right now in the military. Okay.
0: So what was what was the most unexpected zig or zag of your of your career?
1: I think when I became essentially in the army's eyes a personnelist as, as such I had this opportunity I was working G3 mobilization type issues in DC and there was an opening that came for the Chief of Army Reserve needed a new manager for the General Officer Management Office. So they're the assignment officer for all the generals. And so typically the person that goes in that is somebody with a real strong personnel background and knows all the rules and everything. And he wanted something different. And I always think that it was kind of like a staff said, you know what, whoever walks in the door next, um, we're going <laughs> to offer an interview. And I happen to walk in the door. It's
0: like, ding, 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 you're the thousandth customer at the grocery store. So that's you exactly get the, what you get the job.
1: That's what happened because I had not had a job like that. And I ended up with this interview and I ended up being the GOMO chief for three years, went away to Afghanistan, then came back and he asked me to continue on as the GOMO chief.
0: So when, when you think about those sorts of things, what were the What's the most challenging thing if, you're, if your career takes a sort of unexpected turn?
1: I always think that it's um, the story I tell about going just to understanding your equipment, trusting your equipment. So I'm able to zig and zag because I have a firm understanding that I can learn the technical stuff. I know how to read. I can read any regulation and be as smart as anybody who has done it for years. May not have the experience, but I can get the technical skills for any type of job. What moves me along, I think, is some of the softer skills in being able to collaborate, build a team, get a message across, work inter- incrementally. Some of those things. So the technical stuff you can learn it.
0: So the so the softer skills, the things um, when we talk about kernels, being sort of cogs that they're. That they've got to learn technical things in in a different way, more rapidly, um, things that they may not be used to, new things. Um, It's those skills about team building, leadership that that come through.
1: Those are the things that are going to get you through. Uh, It doesn't mean that you can't be or that you shouldn't be a technical expert, even if they throw you into something new for broadening or just, hey, the next person that comes in the door, we need you to go fill that job, which happens to more people than just me. Uh, But I think it's... um, that you have to have the discipline to write up front, do the extra work to learn that technical stuff mm-hmm. and, um, and, and then rely on that other equipment that you have, that's going to get you through the first couple of months of your learning curve, okay. but you got to do the extra work yourself to bring yourself up to a technical level. Great.
0: So I'm going to skip forward a couple questions on yeah. our, on our plan, because I think it's a good follow on yeah. about what, what is it that makes a great kernel? Uh, so a lot of times we hear that colonels run the army. Um, and colonels a lot of do our, run the army. a lot of our students, right, will will retire uh, as as colonels. Um, so what is it that separates the very best colonels from those who are really good but nothing special?
1: Oh, yeah, they make colonel, They're all pretty special. Yeah. The, I mean, um, it's a
0: small pipeline at that point. So you're... Yeah,
1: yeah, it really is. I, th- I think that I can think of some exceptional colonels, and I'll try and describe just like what made them stand out so much, and it was that the technical part certainly, or the understanding that that the sky or gal, whatever we throw them in, they'll they'll figure out the nuts and bolts of how it works. But the real thing is that positive leadership that builds the collaborative team to stay positive all the time to give the credit to your team. It's kind of all of those kind of huggy feely stuff that mm-hmm. we talk. But I mean, the real. And it becomes so much more important as you move up the, the rank, if you move up in organizations, because the work gets less clear. So what we count on for those colonels who run the Army is to bring some clarity to the ambiguity that exists in the environment they're working at. It'll be more clear to them and their approach and the climate they build in their office and the climate they build in their command is going to help them bring some clarity to ambiguity so that their folks can do the work that is necessary.
0: Mm-hmm. Do you think it's possible for a Colonel who's in his or her forties, probably to, to learn or to develop those, this what you call the sort of touchy feely side of, of what's required of being positive of, of that collaborative team building?
1: I, I think it is. Um, the, and I got to think of a better way to describe that and touchy-feely you know, because all those colonels that need it just checked out.
0: Just just said, and I always say, like, I, I, I love talk about, to talk about feelings. Like, I think feelings are really important, but that can be a really difficult word Yeah. Uh, sometimes yeah. In, a, in a military environment to yeah. say that feelings matter.
1: I, I'm with you on that. So I got to think of a better way to describe that. But it's, um, I do think that people can improve on those skills. Just like I know that stickman environment, and I can improve on my technical skills. There's things that I can do. Uh, the, f- the first thing, though, is self-assessment and self-awareness of what might be your strengths and weaknesses in a collaborative environment and a diverse environment. Because mm-hmm. one of the things that will all also occur as you move up in the ranks and as you move up into larger, broader organizations is that you're going to have a more diverse workforce, too. You're going to have a greater gender accommodation, you're going to be working with civilians, you're going to be working with people with different and various backgrounds. Mm -hmm. So your ability to bring all those things together and meld them becomes increasingly important.
0: When we talk about the interagency environment, we talk about the whole of government and Congress and the international environment. Yes. These are really diverse places. Yes. Um, and, and And
1: it doesn't matter how much you know about tanks when you go to the State Department. You've got to find a way to start a conversation in an environment that you may not be comfortable with, and you're going to fall back on those softer skills more so than your hard technical skills.
0: Great. When you think about leaders that you look up to, um, people who you'd like to emulate or, or be like, or just people you admire, who are some of the people that come to mind?
1: I had this great opportunity when I was assigned in Korea in 8th Army. And I just, the timing of my life was so perfect. I got a double stack of my 8th Army commander being Lieutenant General Vandal, may he rest in peace, and also uh, General Brooks. And I learned so much watching how the two of those officers commanded and how they interacted with each other as commanders during a very tense and difficult time mm-hmm. in Korea. This was in uh, about 2016 to 17, when we had an increase in ratcheting up of right. the missiles and those sort of things that were going on there. But the way that they were confident in the people skills that they used to ensure that they were bringing their staffs up and their and their lower level commanders up to a new level of performance was just amazing to watch in real time mm-hmm. of a environment where things were changing at a very rapid pace
0: right, where it could be easy to be frazzled or frantic
1: they or were calm in exactly you know where you had people calling from the states who were seeing things in the news and seeing things mm-hmm. about what's going on in Korea saying you got to get out of there it's too dangerous and they were working in a way that gave us more confidence because of the exercises mm. and the work that we were doing and their calm approach to leadership. It, it was just a fantastic time to be there in terms of leadership learning and being in an environment that was completely positive, despite the the uh, the intensity that we the were high working at. The level in. of intensity.
0: Yeah. Sure. Um, when you think about the jobs that you've held recently as a general officer, can you tell us, and, and it can be abstract if, if needed, um, about a challenge that you've faced as a as a leader and sort of how you've approached that that problem?
1: When I got to Korea, one of the responsibilities that I had just for being the DCGS, it just came with a role, was the non-combatant evacuation operations. And What was challenging me for me was, we've already said in my bio, I'm kind of a, you know, a mutt, is I don't have a career path that would take you directly to that in a way that was a strength for me, because I had no preconceived notion about how we were supposed to evacuate individuals from the peninsula in the case of escalation. And I needed to find my own ways of learning about how to interact with Uh, the Korean government, the Korean army, the State Department, Mm. the government of Japan, the the governments of of the alliance. (laughs) Yeah, and and so that was very, that felt like one of those times when they said, hey, the next person in the door is going to be the GOMO chief, is to go over to Korea to be the DCGS, but to have that unique problem set of the peninsula is that in the case of hostilities, how do we make sure that our noncombatants who are US citizens or in this case because we're US forces Korea and we're the U- UN command mm-hmm. how do we set conditions for these other countries too to have the opportunity to evacuate because at the time that our original plans were written the weapons capabilities of North Korea were different so than the they environment were. had changed yes.
0: so the old plans weren't that's weren't Adequate, I guess.
1: That's correct. They there were some planning assumptions about weapons ranges and okay. things that were built in, that it, the environment had just changed, and so I walked into an exercise double stacked with General Vandal and General Brooks, who were paying close attention to how this will work, not in an exercise scenario, but for real.
0: But in real life. Yeah.
1: Yes, and so it was a great learning environment. That I go back to that equipment. I was on the weekend and at night in the in the, uh, secret reading room, making sure I understood every aspect of the op plan, making sure that I understood how all the interactions work. And the first part of that, how do I adapt to that was doing my homework.
0: Mm -hmm. And then, so if that was your nighttime and weekend reading, what were you doing during the, the, I'm using air quotes here during the workday?
1: Regular eighth army business. You, I mean, I had to, I knew that where I needed to be right is in this neo operation so in in people who are familiar with the korea scenario and the neo it it's it's a problem set please teach it mm-hmm. at the war college i i and figure out what the right answer is i mean it's a really really tough problem and with all of the variables that go into it about timing and transportation um i i can't say if we launched it that my plan would have achieved all the ends that were necessary um but but during the day, it was 8th Army business, because even as all of these things were going on in that environment, we 8th Army was still doing all the right. things that 8th Army was supposed to do I had to make sure it was ready to fight tonight.
0: And I think that gets us really to the next question that I want to talk about, which is people are really busy, and the, the more senior people get, the busier days can be. And there's always the day job, but the really important jobs that have to happen at night and on the weekends and the things that you have to get right because the stakes are extraordinarily high. Um, and so we've, we've got that challenge, but we also hear from medical professionals, from scientists, psychologists, everybody says, right, sleep is really important. Eating right is really important. Exercise, this idea of work-life balance, your family is really important. Um, and I don't know of a general officer who's come to talk to our class who hasn't said those things are important. But didn't um, give any insight but, about how to but, get there. <laughs> but we don't have really good ways of how to get there. Yeah. So I w- I'm wondering, could you talk to us a little bit about how you conceive of that problem and maybe how you approach it in your own, in your own world?
1: Yeah, it, it, it is tough. And, and we all know that different jobs have those different op tempos. And again, I go back to the role modeling of the, the commanders that I had in Korea at the time. Um, PT was PT two hours every morning. I mean, they role modeled it. Anytime during PT, you could see us as the Eighth Army staff out there on the PT route, General Vandal out with his rucksack, and he role modeled the, the physical part of it. So it takes discipline to carve out the time, because one of the things that you've mentioned here is like you just get so busy, and there's only so many hours. Mm-hmm. But you have to have the discipline to carve out the time for physical fitness and to make sure you have something other than fast food brought to you in your office, yeah. that you that you have a real meal. And I think it's part of the same discipline that you're using to study the neo plan and the same discipline that you're using to keep your meetings on time is the same discipline that is going to cut out and create the time to take care of some of these. And you're talking about all the physical aspects of it.
0: Right. Eating, sleeping. Yes. Like you, you, turns out you still have to be a human Yes, while you're, while you're doing these really, really important, um, important jobs. Do you, do you physically schedule out your days?
1: You know, I'm, I would obviously I, I, because I was um, impressed by what General Vandal and General Brooks did, I would have to say I'm less disciplined than them. And, uh, but, but I learned so much. So I, I do schedule out my day. Um, I stick to it when we're going to go with maybe 30% uh-huh. of the time in terms of those other things, uh, because I seem to, um, just like most leaders, uh, g- get distracted by some of the, the flashy things that are going on. And I admit that just to say that even though all the generals will come and say, you got to eat right and you got to exercise, <laughs> the reality is that that at the end of the day you're accountable to yourself right. and whether or not I hit my 30% or the, the 50%. I'm going to take a note now. I need to... <laughs> Try that a little harder.
0: But it's extraordinarily difficult when you have things popping up that are urgent that have to be done right mm-hmm. away. Um and the the schedule goes right right yeah. out of the window and, and all the best intentions in the world may not may not get you to the to the end point
1: yeah it will and i was thinking about work-life balance and that's a, that's a phrase that to me is almost becoming like touchy-feely it, yeah. but but even with the work-life balance it occurs to me that we talk about that with the military members we never ask a spouse about their mm-hmm. work-life balance in relation to their interaction with their service member. Right. Um, Tracy often says to me that she's actually in a three-way li- relationship with uh, it's it's me and her and the army. And the army. And, and so that she has a really firm understanding that sometimes the army just because of the nature of the work has to mm-hmm. take priority over over sure. some of the things that we were hoping to go do. Well
0: this is this is a constant thing for the students in the in the resident program and in the distance program at the at the war colleges they're trying to balance family obligations, really wanting to be home, right? This is a year where they might might be closer than they have been before. But the schoolwork is demanding. If you're in the distance program, you've got a full-time job plus school on top of it and nothing else goes away. And so it can be a real, it can be a real challenge. And I know our, our students, our faculty struggle with it, even if this is a slower sort of op-tempo from a, from an operational job.
1: It's a slower op-tempo, but you're using a different muscle. yeah. <laughs> it's
0: uh I always think when students ask like why am I so tired? I was like, Well it turns out your brain takes a lot of energy yeah, to yes. work and we're asking your brain to do really hard work for a really sustained amount of time.
1: Absolutely. Um,
0: so I just asked them not to eat carrots during class. It's my <laughs> only <mate. laughs> if you need if you need energy in the middle, that's fine. Just not crunchy food. Um one of your one of the things that's in your portfolio now is about quality of life mm-hmm. in the army. And that seems to, to me at least, to be related to this question of of balance and health and overall well-being of the force. Can you talk a little bit about the work you're doing in that role?
1: I just got moved over to the Assistant Secretary of the Army Manpower Reserve Affairs for the quality of life portfolio. And I'm loving it. I never would have thought I'm learning all of these things that I didn't pay close attention to because my life wasn't structured in the way that is assumed for many of these family mm-hmm. programs. And so I'm learning about things such as child and youth services and the role that the child De- development center plays in providing daycare for our our families. Right. And it's been amazing to learn about the mechanics of how it works and to be able to use that big muscle and to think more maybe futuristic Mm -hmm. about, are we delivering things right for our families on installation? So I'm really excited about the opportunity to just take a look at what we're doing from a policy perspective and say, are there better ways to deliver Mm -hmm. these services in 2019 and with family structures that don't look the same as perhaps they looked when many of these programs were designed?
0: So what would be, if, if someone were to ask you and five years, um, what would make your time in that, in that role a success? What would you like to be able to say to them?
1: I I think that if I were able to, um, provide greater flexibility of access to daycare, I never, Tracy says, you know, if it doesn't affect you, it doesn't affect you. Mm -hmm. Um, you don't pay any attention to it. Golf yeah. Run, right? Yeah. And so this is, so my deep study, my locking myself in the room, you know, now I'm learning about <laughs> child development centers yeah. and, and those sort of things. If I were to make an impact, it would be to increase capacity and flexibility for families to use that tool for army readiness. And then I would like to update the face of morale, welfare, recreation, because we think of it and you're, you're picturing kayaking and shooting arrows. You know, I think of it more as morale, recreate or welfare and um, readiness because there are so many things that are offered within that portfolio that contribute to actual family readiness, family cohesion, as well as all of the health and fitness things that Mm -hmm. we were talking about. Uh, So if I could, update that as the face of that program and some of the program in that and i could do some work i think i will have saved the world
0: great and we should say probably that kayaking is still fun and you can, <laughs> it's still a great it's still a great uh, activity. It is. it is to uh to partake in um so i'll we'll end with sort of one question that i like to that i like to ask um visitors which is to say what are you what are you reading or listening to right now that you might recommend to our students or our listeners out in the world?
1: Yeah, I I read, for the most part, memoirs, because I want to understand other people's lived experience about things that I might not understand. Mm -hmm. And so I did a book club this past year, and it started out, it was supposed to be about character, and I did all of these titles that I thought were going to be reinforcing the conversations about character. And what I learned was through memoirs, you can better understand the relationship of character and resiliency. Mm -hmm. And so a couple of the titles mm-hmm. that we really enjoyed and had good conversations about were Unbroken, It's oh, one yeah. of the titles. Um, the Lightless Sky, we had a great discussion. It was about a 12-year-old refugee and their experiences mm-hmm. of leaving Afghanistan as a child refugee. We had some great discussions that linked into current events about that. Uh, the book that I think everybody should read is a book called Five Days at Memorial, which yeah. is about, yes...
0: I, you should see my face right now it's a jaw-dropping book
1: yes and I, I went back to that book for non evacuation operation planning yeah I you know because I had read that book I had a understanding of the chaos and mm-hmm. some of the things that the people would feel and about the importance of their pets like, <laughs> in their own yeah. evacuation and uh, so those those are some of the titles that were in my book club but also just the whole idea that to understand other people's experiences memoirs is a good way to get after that way
0: than to to hear their own voices talking about those experiences i think that's fantastic uh, advice i always like to i listen to lots of audiobooks and i think memoirs make great audiobooks because they're in that first person um in uh, and our titles too
1: we we did very purposely we did not all military it was a military reading book club Mm -hmm but we did not read all military books and that was very purposeful to um, do a little bit of expansion and thinking about a few other things. We have a tendency to think that our military reading program has to be military books, right? No, it has to be thinking books, books that make you think.
0: Yeah. So I think we've gotten some great uh, advice and and tips uh, from you today. So if I was going to recap, I would say, don't be afraid of career zigzags, Uh, use them as to embrace opportunities and and challenges um, to, to, do your best to maintain wellness and, and sort of a holistic sense of, of self and then to, to read broadly and to really dig into other people's experiences and their lives to understand something about the world that we, uh, that we live in and be a technical expert, but also be an expert at managing people and teams uh, as, a, as a leadership quality. So Major General Smith, it's been a real pleasure to talk to you uh, today. And I thank you so much for taking the time to join us here on A Better Peace.
1: Thank you. It's great to be back at Carlisle.
0: And that concludes our program. Thank you for listening. The views expressed in this podcast reflect those of the speakers and do not necessarily reflect the views, policies, or positions of the U.S. Army or the Department of Defense. Let us know what you think. Provide us your feedback, comments, or suggestions through our webpage at Warroom.armywarcollege. .edu and have a great day